Stuck at Green Bay. And welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of the Shaving Points Podcast. This week, we're going to start doing our draft preview a little bit, start breaking down the draft a little bit with everybody. Then also a little bit of Masters talk on the back end. We got we got Masters and we got draft. We got draft in the Masters. We got everything. Coming off of another profitable March madness on the model two years in a row. Stay profitable, boy. That's two straight NFL seasons, two straight college basketball seasons where the math is working out. Killing it. Stay oh, yeah. slaying, boy. My name is Jaden May. You can find me on Twitter at jmay56. Joined, as always, by my co-host today, Quentin Crisco. How are we doing tonight, Quentin? Doing good, Jay. I just I want to put this out there before anyone might catch wind of it elsewhere. If you're looking for an NFL podcast, you should leave right now. Because we are an XFL podcast from here on out. XFL, the Rough Riders for life. I am. I went to Arlington game on Saturday. I had blast. It's a superior product. It just is. It's fantastic. I don't think I've watched <laughs> a single XFL game all year. Seriously, though, it was, it was a good time. If any of y'all out there have an XFL team nearby, I highly suggest going out and just, just watching some football. It was fun. My wife wouldn't like me watching XFL after nine months of NFL, probably. But oh, bad wouldn't either. But she was at a Taylor Swift concert, so I was. Uh, oh. I, I, I had I had uh, to decide what to do for myself. I think she got the better end of that deal. Yeah, I'm perfectly okay not being in the middle of a Taylor Swift concert, like surrounded by just a bunch of screaming fans and just like <laughs> staring at my hands and wondering why I'm here absolutely all right so we'll start off with a little bit of draft talk here so what what, what do you get going on with this this model here so our idea with today's show was to talk about the three best first round classes over you know x period of time i just ran with that idea i said you know since at first i said in my lifetime and i was like I don't know if I want to go back to 1990. Like I, a lot. Yeah. So I was like, I'll just cut it at the turn of the century, 2000, because 2000 is the year Tom Brady was drafted. I know that he is like, you know, there's still a player from that draft who was still active last year. So it's still kind of like, okay, I can, I, I can roll this. This makes some sense. So basically, I just mathed until I found something that made some sense. Um, my first point here was what percentage of the players in each draft made an all pro team ever. This is, so this isn't like when I'm looking at 2011 draft and saying 34% of the players in there made a pro bowl, that doesn't count five pro bowlers for one player. It, it, it counts how many different players made an all pro team or a pro bowl. And this is, this is strictly the first round, correct? Yes, strictly the first round. So half of the players made at least one Pro Bowl in the 2011 draft? Yep. That is correct. And then outside of that, you have the All-Pro percentage, the Pro Bowl percentage, and then the final score incorporates a few other things. Um, if anyone is familiar with some work that a, a football analyst and football data viz guy who I respect a lot named J.D. Pauley, does um that he's put out there on reddit and, and some articles he calls it av share which 
Pro Football Reference has a stat they call AV, approximate value, shortened to AV, where it's basically trying to create a better way to look at, like, games played. It's really looking at quality of games played. Like, you know, a guy can get rack up 100 games where he's played only special team snaps, and, like, that that's valuable, but it's not as valuable as a guy who's made five Pro Bowls in 100, over 100, you know, so... It's trying to kind of weight that stuff more. So incorporates AV share, which is specific to draft class. It's basically saying the 200 some players who were drafted generate total AV of, you know, brow number 5,872. And this player accounted for this percentage of that. So that's like that. this player. Yeah, it, it's a lot of that. Uh, but so I, I incorporated some of that. I incorporated some stuff looking at the percentage of players in each class that were a bust, according to AV share, were, you know, just a miss. I, I differentiated a straight bust from a miss that were yeah. average, that were above average, and that were like jets, you know, guys who were like above and beyond what they should, what that pick slot usually does. Um, so that all incorporates into the final score here. And it gave us our top three top three first round classes yeah so one thing that jumps off the board to me here is uh the 2001 class where you had 16 percent of first round picks making all pro but over half of them made at least one pro ball yeah That's yeah another class here 2014 only 13 percent made a all pro and 53 percent made at least one pro ball what what class was that was that is that like Zach Martin? 14? I think that was the Zach Martin class. So who was, who was first that year? 2014 was Jadavian Clowney. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And 2013, number one was Eric Fisher. Eric Fisher. <laughs> Legend. All right, uh, we'll go to the next slide here. All right, number three ranked draft class was the 2005 NFL draft. Featured Alex Smith going number one overall. Some other big names that immediately jump off the board. Cedric Benson, Bears legend. Cadillac Williams, Pac-Man Jones, Demarcus Ware, Hall of Famer. Derek Johnson, maybe future Hall of Famer? I don't know. Yeah, Derek Johnson should be. I think Derek Johnson will be. Intro role was good for a long time. Another Mike Williams wide receiver that... Didn't really pan out. Remember Mark Clayton? Oh man, I used yeah. to love, I used to love playing with Baltimore on those Madden teams, man. Just throwing it up to Mark Clayton. Absolutely. I remember <laughs> like being a kid and it was the first time that I like ever tried to do anything fantasy football. I just like, you know, went to my computer and was like AOL. Beep beep. Like uh, every and time. like I signed up for some random league and I was like Mark Clayton's a boss I'm getting Mark Clayton and I didn't look at it again all year because I think I was terrible at it but. <laughs> one big name here is Aaron Rodgers oh yeah <laughs> Sean Merriman all the way down there at number 24 yeah bust okay Ronnie Brown at number 2 I didn't know Ronnie Brown went too. the only mm-hmm. thing I know Ronnie Brown for is that incredible wildcat season he had where he had like seven touchdowns in like two games or something crazy. You had three running backs in the top five. 
Ronnie Brown, Cedric Benson, and Cadillac Williams. Oh, man, that's insane. Imagine today if we had three running backs going two, three, and four. No, I really can't. I don't think any of these running backs are as good as... But then again, I mean, a few years ago, we did have Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. Zeke? Yeah. Leonard Fournette? That's just one. That's just a one-off. That's just like... Your last first-round pick running backs were like Clyde Abzler, Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon, Leonard Fournette. Was Fournette the same year as McCaffrey and Saquon? Uh, Saquon was after both of those. McCaffrey was the year after Zeke, I believe. I think Zeke's the oldest, and then it was CMC. CMC might have been the same year as Fournette. God, I forgot that Fournette went before CMC. Yeah, so that, I guess that was the last time you had two top 10. Oh, boy. That 17 class was rough in the top 10. <laughs> There's a couple of those out there. But... I mean, so is this 2005 one. Yeah. This one really made it because of 11 through 32. Yeah, yeah. Demarcus Ware, Sean Merriman. Well, I don't know if Sean Merriman had a men in all pro at least once, but. Yeah, that's what AP is on this is all pro. So, okay. yeah, he's got one in there. I remember he made it over Lance Briggs, and I was so pissed because I was like, he's not a linebacker. <laughs> Derek Johnson. Marcus Spears, I thought. I thought he would have made at least one Pro Bowl. He probably he probably went to some, but it only counts it as one if like they're voted in as the start as like a, on the team initially. He probably went as a rotational or like a replacement guy. Yeah, then you got Roddy White at twenty seven, absolute stud for a long, long time. Heath Miller, Heath Miller, man, he he was just. He was just Heath Miller for a long time. He made two Pro Bowls. <laughs> Technically, I guess. But, yeah, he was just always there. But, yeah, the 2005 class is wild. We'll go on to the next one. 2010 NFL draft class. Number two ranked class out of the last 20 year or 23 years. You have number one, Sam Bradford. Starting off strong with Sam Bradford. The Dominican State, Gerald McCoy, Trent Williams, Eric Berry. <sighs> Those are some studs, right? Eric Berry. And it like... doesn't even end at five. Russell O'Cone, Joe yeah, Hayden. Joe Hayden, Rolando McClain, who had a kind of resurgence later in his career. He was a very good starter. Good player, CJ Spiller. Dude, even Tyson Alulu. He just retired last year. This year, I think. Trent Williams, quite possibly being the greatest offensive lineman of all time, really beefs up this top ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ndamukong Sue and Gerald McCoy were monsters for years. They're still playing. Ndamukong yeah, Sue should have should have won the Heisman. Like, ain't yeah. no way he should have lost that Heisman to Mark Ingram. That was absolute buffoonery. And like, you look, you look at this top ten. Every single guy except for Rolando McClain either made a Pro Bowl or played over a hundred games. That they were like they were starters. For yeah. like 100 games, which is a lot of time on the football field. Yeah, and Sam Bradford, I mean, the king of... Oh, yeah, except for number one. You even get out of the top 10, you still have guys like Earl Thomas, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Michael Wapati, Marquise Pouncey, Sean Weatherspoon, Jermaine Gresham. What I thought Jermaine Gresham, I could have swore he was a top 10 pick. For some reason, I was thinking since he took him one. 
Did they take Eifert in the top in the top ten? Yeah, Eifert was top ten. See, I get those two confused. Yeah, and Brandon Graham's in here at number thirteen too. Yeah, he's still rocking. Des Bryant at twenty four. I remember this draft so vividly. I was like, "Ain't no way we're gonna get Des Bryant. Like he ain't gonna fall." And then he just like kept falling and falling and falling. And then the Cowboys got him at twenty four. I don't think I've ever been as excited for a draft as when we Des Bryant fell to us at twenty four. I wouldn't know. Bears didn't have a first round pick this year. <laughs> but even even going twenty two to through thirty two, Demarius Thomas at twenty two. RIP in peace, like Brian Bulaga, who I'm shocked he's never made a Pro Bowl, but he's very good for a long time. Tim Tebow, the greatest quarterback to ever walk the earth. Devin McCourty, very good career. Two hundred five games started for Devin McCourty. Does he have the most in all these? Is he the highest? In these top three? Probably. At pick number 11, we got dual sport going. We got Anthony Davis going number 11 overall. Yeah, that was before he went to Kentucky. Just didn't have enough weight on him to play tackle there. Just not a good fit. So he had to go back to basketball and go back to college. And yeah, this draft, is, this class is so, so good. Like, just looking at it, I, I didn't get the time to, like, slow down and appreciate it when I was going through all Joe this. Joe Hayden like, seven, like, legend. Oh, my God. This is just a stacked first round. Yeah, I mean, Trent Williams is the one that stands out to me here, obviously. Like you said, Gerald McCoy, Nadamakan Sue. Even C.J. Spiller had a pretty decent little career for himself. Yeah, I mean, it was short, but, like, he had some nice years. And then Job at Best, he was productive for... Six, seven years, that's about all you can ask for for a running back. Man, Javid Bass. He just, everyone thought he was going to be really good. <laughs> he, he was supposed to break the line streak of not having a thousand yard rusher. Yeah, he did not. Pouncy, like hard hitters here. But we'll move on to the, the next one here. We have the 2011 NFL draft. One of my personal, one of my personal favorite drafts, uh, because we got the Hall of Famer Tyron Smith at number nine. Starting out with Cam Newton, Von Miller, Marcel Darius, AJ Green, Patrick Peterson, Julio Jones, Alden Smith as a top seven. How many Hall of Famers you got in the, in the top nine? Guaranteed Hall of Famers, four. Four. I'm counting five. Von Miller, guaranteed. Patrick Peterson, guaranteed. Julio Jones, guaranteed. Tyron Smith, guaranteed. Cam Newton, maybe. A.J. Green, maybe. Oh, I think A.J. Green is a lock. I think he is, too, but... Maybe not first ballot, but, like, I think... Yeah, with what receivers do in today's NFL, it's hard to judge. He was so good for so long. And then Cam Newton's a fringe. How many in the top 11? (laughs) I'll have one more. (laughs) You got J.J. Watt at number 11 there. The crazy thing is, Alden Smith might have been the best player in this draft. He might have been. (laughs) He was unstoppable. Incredible. Incredible. Uh, And then, name all these heavy hitters, and then you look. Number 8, Jake Locker. Number 10, Blaine Gabbert. Number 12, Christian Ponder. Woof! Rough. Rough. Rough times to be getting a quarterback that's not Cam Newton. Imagine if one of those guys would have just taken a, a good Hall of Famer like J.J. Watt or Nate Kerrigan, maybe not a Hall of Famer, but he, he was damn good for a long time. 
back back when I was 21 years old, I was not not as smart as I am now. I knew like nothing about JJ Watt other than like his backstory. I was in you know in Lubbock, Texas, with a lot of people who are Houston Texans fans, and like someone asked me who the Texans drafted, I was like. Ugh drafted JJ Watt and laughed at it and now I just feel like the biggest dumbass for it <laughs> dude so you know how I was talking about the AD share stuff with this yeah Robert Quinn has to be the weirdest AV share player like ever because I was like how is this guy he, he's made he's been an all pro he's made a few pro bowls I was like trying to figure out who it was that was like why he wasn't showing better in AV share, I was like, oh, it's Robert Quinn. And then it just like added up more. Like it just made more sense. This guy's really, really good. But is he? You know? (laughs) He's had his best years in his like veteran days. Well, I mean, he had that 120 sack season in LA when he was still young. The injuries started to creep up on him. Yeah, he he had him. That was his all pro year. He had like 20 sacks once in his pressure rate was out of this world. Which is, that's what Robert Quinn is. He's he's a pressure machine, but he's, like, his sacks are super hit or miss. I thought Prince of Mukamura was going to be a god. Me too, man. Me too. I loved him in that draft, and I was so mad when he went to the Giants. And then he didn't pan out, so I was happy. He did pretty well for the Bears later in his career. He had stayed in power. I mean, he definitely wasn't a bust, but... Yeah, he, he, he wasn't the shutdown corner you thought he would be. No. Also, Nate Solder never making a single Pro Bowl is kind of surprising. He was never that good, but I mean, he blocked for Tom Brady and didn't give up sack. I figured that. Would, I know. Get you a Pro Bowl. I know. I, I thought so too. Again, he probably went as like a replacement player. He just never got voted as a, a true Pro Bowl. And then one guy we haven't even mentioned at thirty-one, Cam Hayward. Like steal. Steal of the draft. Maybe another Hall of Famer? Yeah, I'd say so. Cam Jordan at 24. This is bare minimum, like, seven Hall of Famers? Yeah, so Vaughn, AJ Green, Pat Pete, Julio, Julio Tyron Smith, JJ Watt, and then Cam Hayward and Cam Jordan, maybe? I mean, I, I feel like that's a stretch. I mean, yeah. Cam Jordan. So you're talking like seven? No, eight. Eight. Kim Jordan, if he, I mean, if he puts together like two more good years, though, I mean, that could change. It can. I, I think he's going to be a fringe guy, though. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's yeah. going to be right out. Like, I'm, I'm not willing to say that he's going to make it. It's like, maybe. See, that's kind of how I feel about A.J. Green is like, if you watched A.J. Green when A.J. Green was A.J. Green, you're just like, for sure, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And then you look at his era of, wide receivers with like Des Bryant, Julio Jones. You had Antonio Brown in that era. You had, there's a lot of guys and AJ Green was always kind of the, the last one thought about kind of. Well, he was quiet. He didn't like, you know, he wasn't out there. Like, like when he fell off, he fell off. Like I thought he was, I I thought he had at least a couple more years and then he had those couple of injuries and then, he was one of my favorite guys in fantasy. You could always snag him in like the second or third round. People just forgot about him, man. He was so good. He was always like a top five wide receiver. 
and like everybody would take the Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Des Bryant of the world and everything. And then you're like, okay, I'll just take a running back here or I'll take Gronk here. And then second or third round, you're like, yeah, I'll take AJ Green right here. Yeah. Fantastic. Great value. And then, so as a Bears fan, the 2011 draft just hurts. That was the first time that we had a first round pick since 2008. And you got Robert Quinn? No. We got Gabe Karimi. Where are y'all picking here? 29. 29. Oh, right before. Muhammad Wilkerson was a stud, too. I mean, Wilkerson or Haywood probably should have been the pick, but but they were desperate for an offensive tackle and they just took him. I forget who I wanted. I wanted Anthony Costanza. That's who I was hoping we'd get to that, but he never he never got there. At least he wasn't Derek Sherrod, who played one game. Well, one start. Huh. Suck at Green Bay. <laughs> Suck at Green Bay. <laughs> was, was that their last offensive player drafted? Because they always bring up that stat like, they haven't drafted an offensive player since whatever. The first round, maybe. Uh, we'll go to the biggest first round hit since the year of 2000. So, so you're gonna have to explain on the Green Bay talk. Like, sorry, I just I just got it. Oh, Derek Sherrod was the last offensive player Green Bay has drafted. That's not a quarterback. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's crazy. You know, as as much as people like to give Aaron Rodgers shit, which I'm one of those people. I hate Aaron Rodgers. But can you imagine being that good at your job, and your boss just being like, "Nah, you got this, bro." Not even paying the guys you want him to keep, just being like, nah, he's fired. Not keeping the guys you want to keep, not getting you help in the first round, but we have the biggest first round hit since 2000. You'll have to explain this to me because I don't I don't understand what, what is going on here. Yeah, so this is AV share, what I was talking about. Matt Ryan, his weighted AV is 146. That's the number that Pro Football Reference has come up with for his Pro Bowls, his game started, his All-Pro appearances, his MVP, all that stuff. Um, And that number makes up 11.3% of the total AV for the 2008 draft class, or first round. I think I just said first round. So of the 2008 first round. So he alone represents 11% the AV from the first round of 2008. I loved Matt Ryan in that draft. Yeah. The number, but the based on these last 20 years that I went through, the number three overall pick only accounted for 3.9% of the AV in the first round. So he went so far above and beyond any other player drafted at number three that he took the top spot. So this is what doesn't make sense to me. So you have... You might be able to explain it better, but I'm just going to name three guys right here that are much, much lower than Matt Ryan on this list. Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger, and Zach Martin. Well, Mahomes is Mahomes doesn't make sense to do it with because he's only played five years and he's already on this list. Like Two Super Bowls, two MVPs. Yeah, he's but he shouldn't career. even, like, he shouldn't even be on this list yet. Like, he's ahead of Hall of Famers, like, on this list. Like, that is... By the end of his career, he's he's going to be at the number one guy on this list. There's no question. At this point. So how so how is Matt Ryan above Aaron Rodgers when you talk about biggest hits? When Matt Ryan was three overall, has one MVP, one Super Bowl appearance, and a loss, 
when Aaron Rodgers has four MVPs, a Super Bowl win, 14 NFC Championship appearances because he can't he can't win the NFC Championship. How is Matt Ryan above Aaron Rodgers here on the biggest hit? One, the difference this in those in the last 20 years looked at. The number three overall pick and the number 24 overall pick have performed pretty much the same. Like number three, number two and number three are really shitty historically. Because you just get a lot of teams pigeonholed into taking a quarterback that they might not love. It's not a good spot to draft unless you're just saying, I'm not going quarterback. Really. So if you look at where the Bears are drafting this year, you have Erlacher at nine, you have Patrick Mahomes at 10, Terrell Suggs at 10, Ben Roethlisberger at 11. It seems like a pretty good spot to draft. Yeah. And so with Rodgers, like it's also, yeah, I remember he sat for the first four years of his career. His AV is not representative of a guy like Matt Ryan, who played every year. It's still crazy that Matt Ryan started for a full season before Aaron Rodgers even saw the field. Drafted three years later, and he started so many more games than him. Fun fact, do you know who Aaron Rodgers' last game in college was against? It was a loss, by the way. Who? His last college game was a bowl game against Texas Tech, but he lost. Oh, there you go. I like that. I like that you know, a lot. You got one up on him. Always looking for one ups on Aaron Rodgers. Suck it, Bears fans. <laughs> on that one. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, Felipe Rivers at five on this list. Obviously, it's the biggest first round hit since 2010. Look at where some of these guys were drafted. Ed Reed at 24. Lunacy. Clay Matthews at 26. Well, I probably could have taken it a little later. A little bit left, a little, a little bit to be desired there, I guess. Looking at this, 26 is the worst spot, one of the worst spots in the draft, in the first round. I think that's where the Cowboys took Taco Charlton instead of TJ Watt. The expectation for a player drafted at 26 based on the last 20 years is not very good. <laughs> you know, so like if you're doing well there, you're going to end up on this list. Dwayne Brown is another one. Dwayne Brown had a really nice career. Probably shouldn't be number, what, six on this list, but he was drafted number 26, so he is. <laughs> uh, when I saw that, I was I thought that was strange. Dwayne Brown, like, he's all right. <laughs> uh, we'll go to the next one. Biggest first-round bus since 2000. And, of course, we go with the GOAT of all GOATs. Jamarcus Russell. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. So, remember when Detroit used to just take a wide receiver first round every year, no matter what? Matt Millen days, man. Glory days. And then they got quite possibly the best receiver of all time. Yeah. And did nothing with it. They got him Stafford, I guess. Stafford's on. I think he was on the last list, actually. Was he? Yeah. Down third from the bottom. Some of the, like, I look at some of these names and, like, I just go back to their draft class where I loved him. D. Milliner loved him. Kevin White loved him. John Ross absolutely loved that guy. I saw it coming with both John Ross and Kevin White. It was just like I was not happy with the Bears draft pick on Kevin White. I really was not. One guy on this list. Uh, there might be other guys on this list that I don't. I don't know their story. Fourth on this list at Justin Blackman at five. He he might have been the he might have been the greatest receiver of all time. He was so good. 
didn't he play like five games in the NFL and put up like 1,100 yards and six touchdowns, and that was it for his entire Yeah, and he career? was drunk for every one of them. Yeah, just <laughs> insane potential. Some of the stories about him are just in really sad. Some of the stuff that you, you'll read about him, of he just wants to drink all day, every day, and he didn't care that it was ruining his career and his life. He was so good, man. Oh. He's one of those guys you look at this list and you're like, yeah, he was technically a bust. He had 870 yards as a rookie. And then in his first four games of his second year, he had 415 yards before he never played a game again. Crazy. D. Milliner. I mean, I still think about D. Milliner sometimes. I'm like, huh, he still got it. Dion Jordan, <laughs> I feel the same way. Like, Dion Jordan, like, he can still get you a couple sacks. He's a first rounder. I know. D. Milliner. I, I, I still think it too. Like, when I see his name floating out there, I'm like, Maybe he can still, maybe he can make something happen. It's like maybe I know, I know it's not. <laughs> Gaines, Gaines, Adam, and Ver, uh, Vernon Golston both I thought were going to be studs. So Gaines Adams might have, like that's a that's a sad story. He 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 died of cardiac arrest right after getting traded to the Bears. His like third year. I remember that. That was crazy. Vernon Golston is just proof of why you never draft a guy just because he looks good with his shirt off. Josh Allen begged to differ. He's almost as good as Dak Prescott. But that's because he looks good in shorts. That's completely different. Dak or Josh Allen? Josh Allen. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm I'm big on that narrative this year. They're the same, they're the same guy. All right. <laughs> we'll go on to our next slide here. 2023 Masters picks. We're going to run it back with Sheffy. Yep. He's, I mean, to be completely clear on this, this is going to be the weirdest Masters to try to predict because there is more uncertainty in this Masters for sports folks than there has been in, I mean, a long, long time because they don't have numbers. I mean, I'm sure they have some numbers, but they don't have the reliable numbers that they're used to on these live guys. And it's just like, it's a complete wild card right now. I, I wasn't even sure if I could, if I could like reliably put this out because it was just like, man, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty here. So it's like, beware if you're, you're looking to bet it, like take some chances because Vegas is just as confused as we are. You'll get some of the top odds guys. Roy McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler, John Rom. I'm looking at guys like Max Homa, Colin Morikawa, guys who good strikers. I always like good strikers at the Masters because if you can, if you can put the ball where you want to put the ball at the Masters, usually have a pretty good shot to win. Every now and then you'll get a guy that plays lights out. For the most part, it's it's guys hitting the ball well, hitting the ball where they want to go, not going out of bounds, not hitting in the water. I mean, look at uh, two of the weights here. Strokes gained on par fives and good driving are two of the top three weights. And that is what you're looking for here. You're looking for guys who can strike the ball and do it accurately. Max has been playing well lately. Brooks won last weekend in the in the live event, whatever the live event was. Uh, you, do you have Brooks on here? No, I can't. I have no numbers for Brooks. I have no numbers for any live guys. Oh, you don't have any live guys on here. No, I, I can't. I have no numbers oh. for them. There's that's what I'm saying. Vegas is at a serious disadvantage because they don't have numbers on these guys either. Now, maybe they're just going to price them super conservatively. Are they not sending out bookmakers to be like, "Hey, go watch the 
personal live events, dude. I don't know. The PGA accumulates all these stats for these guys. Live doesn't do that. So, like, I mean, maybe they did send guys out to just be bean counters, but I, I don't know. And where there's uncertainty, there's opportunity. Okay, so we're looking at guys like Brooks. We're looking at guys like Phil. We're looking at guys like... Well, maybe. I don't even know what their odds are. And also, there, there's a giant degree of uncertainty with some of these guys. Are they training like they used to? Are they, like, do they care like they used to? Like, there, there's a whole nother aspect to it. Yeah, I make a lot of money, and you're like, oh, I get to go play Augusta for four days. So all that to say, just put it all on Tom Hogue and Brian Hart. <laughs> Sprinkle a little bit on Taylor Moore. Scheffler is hes a pretty good bet, I would assume. Is Tiger playing this weekend? Yeah, he is, but there's no i, I there's no real stats for Tiger. He just hasn't played enough. I mean, you got to throw a little bit of... It's un-American to not bet on Tiger. It's just... Brooks is plus 3,900. I might. Hey, I, I, I'm gonna throw some shekels down on Brooks. I'll throw a shekel or two down on Brooks. So really, the, these numbers. Uh, the, the thing that I really liked about them is you can see where names are just priced in. This, I, I mean, I know Rory's won it before, but the, this course doesn't play to Rory well. No. Nah. And he's plus seven fifty. He's got the second best. He, he's the, the number two guy on here. And it's like, Rory's not a good bet on this. Rory's not a good bet. I, I like guys like uh, Sanjay M. I like him. He always plays well as the Masters. Actually, I'll, I'll probably bet Sanjay M, like, first day leader, because he usually starts strong. I think last year he was top three. year before that, he was top seven. He always starts strong. He never finishes strong. Sanjay M, first round leader, I like a lot. Like I said, guys who, guys who can hit their irons exactly where they want to go. Colin Morikawa and Max Homa. Morikawa is the number two golfer on here on strokes gained from approach shots. That tracks. You look at the Masters historically, and it's not where do guys win it. It's usually where do guys lose it. If guys lose it, hitting OB shot or going under the water. And so whenever you bet on a good iron striker, you're basically saying this guy just has to putt and drive well enough to where his irons aren't going to mess him up. And those are those are two guys right there that I like a lot. If Jason Day, if his driver shows up, that could get interesting. Even uh, Xander Shuffley, he's kind of a choke artist. But Tim Hodge, that might deserve a Sheckler six. The way that I... I, I try to kind of stack this is the guys in blue those are my picks to win and then guys in green those are my top 10 finishing bets and guys in yellow are my top 20 finisher bets in the last year i came out ahead overall doing that following that strategy and you can pick and choose where you want but like i mean obviously rory a top 20 finish is not a good bet i'm not actually gonna lay that yeah, it's probably it's probably like even odds. Yeah, there's no money to be made there. But Adam Svensson, top twenty finish, plus thirty thousand to win it. You probably get him at plus fifteen hundred to be top twenty. Exactly. Yeah, like that's where there's value. Brian Harmon, top twenty finish, probably get plus six hundred, six fifty. Which I haven't seen. I was looking for him today. I haven't, I haven't been able to put any top ten or top twenty finish bets in yet because they're not. Those will probably come out. Wednesday, so when people are listening to this, they'll probably be out. So look for guys like uh, 
Brian Hartman, Corey Connors, Adam Svensson for top 20 finishes, Taylor Moore to make the cut maybe, plus 25,000 to win. You could probably get him even uh, better to make the cut. You can kind of stack it however you want here, but make the cut bets are always good, I think, because you can get a, a long shot to make the cut and they'll have like pretty decent plus odds. Yeah, I like I didn't even think about that for, for Taylor Moore and for like Svensson. I'll probably play those. Like those are I like that. And you probably get them both at plus value pretty easily. And then guys that have just been playing well lately, like Brooks is playing well, Max Helm is playing well, Tony Pinel's playing well. Those are usually what I like to look at for top five, top ten and stuff like that. And they're all up here up here with yours. So I agree hundred percent. That's talking golf. That's talking golf. All right, so you got anything else other than the Lions winning the Super Bowl? Um, I mean, David Montgomery's going to win MVP, right? Absolutely. Let's see. Let's see what I got in my bag here. Oh. Deontay Banks deserves to be a top 15 pick in the draft. Who is Deontay Banks, I may ask? He is a cornerback out of Maryland, and that dude can play ball. Maryland, you say? Yes, sir. I uh, they play cornerback in Maryland? Oh, they play cornerback in Maryland. So I, I flipped on it, and I'm no cornerback savant. I'm no one that, like, I mean, I, if anything, I know O-line and D-line better than anything on corner. But I was super impressed watching Deontay Banks' tape this week. That kid can play. That kid's going to be a steal for somebody. I'm convinced. Like, I, I loved his tape. You know what I'm mad about? Which, I mean, I could be wrong in hindsight. But everybody is falling in love with Steve Avila. And I'm like, dude, I've been on this guy for a long time. And everybody's just like all up on him now. And I'm like, back up, dude. He's mine. Happens every year. Every year. I was out there in the streets two months ago telling everybody that Mozzie Smith isn't going to be a top 20 pick. And people said, nah, he's on the PFF simulator at 60. I'm like, that's going to change. <laughs> Cedric Tillman, wide receiver at Tennessee. Dude is going to go higher than I think people think. What about, do you think he's going to go higher than Jalen Wyatt? I have no idea what the hell to think about Jalen Wyatt anymore because I thought he was like, going to be a second round prospect and then I see Brugler and Zerline both have him as like one of their top two receivers and I'm like okay so he's going first round but then you look at the other guys that might be going first round you're like is he that Jordan Addison I think is going to fall Josh Downs is going to fall I think Jordan Addison is going to fall for sure uh, what do you think about your, your, your Tank Dell is, isn't going to go early what do you think about your quarterback pulling a Joe Burrow, basically saying like hey, Jackson Smith and Chigba, man? Dude, I love it. I want Jackson Smith and Chigba on the Bears. I've been on the wagon of that guy forever now, and I mean, it's not saying much. I mean, a lot of people are on his wagon, but now everybody's kind of hitched off his wagon, being like, "Oh, we missed last year." That dude's a stud. He can he can run every route. He can do everything. Go get that man. His agility testing is out of this world. Yeah. He's incredible. He's going to have no problem separating at the next level. But I do think the Bears are – I want them to take JSN. 
I will not be upset if they take Paris Johnson Jr. And that's what I think is going to happen if they're at nine. He's, I, I love, I love his tape. I love the way he plays football. I just think wide receiver is a more important spot. And I just think what you could do with a quarterback as mobile as Fields when they're having to spy him and stay in too high because your wide receiver core is that sacked is terrible. Put it into perspective here. You're basically in the same sense scenario as Cincinnati Bengals where you had Jamar Chase versus Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell was considered, wasn't he considered like the highest graded prospect to come out, like pure prospect for his position in like a decade plus? Jamar Chase was just considered a good wide receiver. You look at this scenario, like, I would say Jackson Smith and Jigba is a better receiver than Paris Johnson as tackle. That would seem like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I'm being honest, I see, I see both players on a pretty similar realm as far as just, like, if you take position out of it. I, I, I actually think Paris might be the better prospect. The position difference to me is, like, big. Take out NFL success, going back to the Jamar Chase pick, that was lunacy. But, I mean, think about it, though. If you're, when you've got that much skill talent on the field with a quarterback who can who can use it, you, you are putting, you are dictating to the defense what you want them to do. They are not, they cannot dictate what you do because you're in control. Jackson Smith and Jigba immediately puts the Bears as a, top 10 team and offensive skill position i mean if i'm if i'm the packers if i'm the lions if i'm the vikings jsn is the pick that worries me the most for the bears not that like i'm overly worried about the bears right now if i'm any of those teams if i have to pick someone who's going to worry me it's jackson smith and jigba
at the end of the day, as long as as long as they ain't screwing with my XFL teams, I'll be fine. XFL podcast from now on, boys. And don't you forget it. Uh, I think that's going to about wrap it up for us tonight. You got anything else, brother? Nope. I'm in good shape, man. All right. Masters weekend, one of the best weekends of the year. Coming off of an epic March Madness run. Thank you all for listening. We love you. We'll see you next week. Don't sleep on the Lions. Don't do it. <laughs>